John Adams Letters from the Front podcast for February 1917. This podcast looks at life in World War I through the letters of John Adams, who was 23 when he joined up in September 1914. He served with the 9th Service Battalion Royal Irish Fusiliers and was involved in many significant events on the Western Front, particularly Passchendaele. These are his words, read by his grandchildren and narrated by his great-grandchildren. While we only have one letter this month, John Adams talks about how poor the weather is while he is still in the Royal Irish Fusiliers camp in Newton Arts. Next month we don't have a letter, and the next letter we receive will be from the Western Front. We also continue this month our interview with Nick Metcalf, who wrote Blacker's Boys, a regimental history of the 9th Service Battalion of the Royal Arse Fusiliers, to which John Adams was part of. And we join in the interview where he discusses the things that he discovered while writing the book. At the end of the interview, we have a list of various places Nick can be contacted at and various websites where you can see his work. Please do and go and look at them because they're quite a companion piece to our work here in John Adams' Letters from the Front. My name's Mark Adams, and John Adams is my grandfather. Uh, I think one of the most important things I discovered when writing about Blacker's Boys was that the homogenous Ulster Protestant grouping that had volunteered at the beginning of the war wasn't the makeup of the battalion at the end of the war. And I think that in researching Irish regiments, one must look wider than Ireland for sources of information. In the case of the 9th Irish Fusiliers, the first English recruits uh, or, or soldiers joined in 1916 after the Somme attack. Uh, and that process continued all through the war, with large numbers of English soldiers joining periodically and the Irishness of the battalion was only maintained with the amalgamation of the North Irish Horse in late 1917. But most of the reinforcements that arrived in 1918 were Londoners, both infantrymen and men from the Army Service Corps and Army Veterinary Corps who'd been retrained as infantrymen. So the Ulster Division, and indeed in general, and the 9th Royal Irish Fusiliers in particular, by 1918, was a total mix of Irish Protestants and Irish Catholics, uh, from both sides of the political divide, Englishmen who were pre-war regulars, conscripts, wartime volunteers, and territorial force, and their officers made up or representative of that complete batch as well. So a very unusual mix of people by comparison to what I thought was going to be the case, which is just a pure um, Irish bunch of guys from largely Armagh come 1918. Is that growing up? In Northern Ireland, you hear the stories of the Ulster Division, the 36th, and uh, you tend to think, people tend to think of that as primarily just, well, it's just Somme. our boys, the Somme, yes, and especially over That's the right. past while. That's right, and I think that we're going to see that when it comes to the remembrance period, uh, the centennial period through 1917 and 1918. I think there will be less interest in Northern Ireland, uh, in the Ulster Division, it was largely slaughtered on the Somme. Uh, many of the men who were wounded came back to serve, and many of those then died or were wounded again in August 1917, or at Messines, in fact, just prior to that. And therefore, by the end of 1917, there were relatively few men who were originally enlisted in 1914 serving with any of the battalions. And many of them had been amalgamated, 
uh, and mem- many of the regular battalions of those three regiments, the Royal Irish Fusiliers, the Royal Irish Rifles, and the Royal Inniskillen Fusiliers, were now in the Ulster Division, and their makeup was, of course, completely different. So I think we're going to see a very different remembrance, maybe, um, in Northern Ireland, uh, because you're absolutely right. The people of Northern Ireland see the Ulster Division as being Protestant and the Somme, and I think those, those are inextricably linked in many people's minds. Which is very true. And coming into Passchendaele now, the Ulster Division was heavily involved with that, but there's not that much of, um, there's no banners about Passchendaele as much as there would be about the Somme. The Somme is very much ingrained in our DNA over here. I, I mean, all this is fascinating stuff. I mean, uh, the Blackers boys was invaluable to us, especially when we, as uh, John and Roger and myself, went out to the Western Front in 19, uh, sorry, not 1915, 2015, and standing in a field with the maps and able to pinpoint even where my grandfather would have been because you could see the lay of the land, where he was shooting at, where his, uh, and where they were coming from. We probably were very accurate about where we were, so the research and looking at different books and the maps is so valuable. Nick, thank you very much. So is there anything you'd like to uh, tell us about? Yes, I think I would, actually. I am trying to draw a line under the First World War of my own writing. My my main interest is, in fact, uh, gallantry awards, uh, and my other book is about the, the Queen's Gallantry Medal, and, and indeed... The, the books that I've got coming out over the next five, six years are all about gallantry awards. What actually is the gallantry medal? Uh, the Queen's Gallantry Medal? Mm-hmm. Um, in 1940, when the George Cross and George Medal were instituted, what the powers that be singularly failed to do, and they had a huge debate about it, what they failed to do was to create the award underneath the George Medal. And for... Many years, up until 1974, they used the Order of the British Empire, MB, uh, many MBEs and BEMs, but also OBEs and CBEs, uh, to award people, reward people for gallantry at that level. And in 1958, they brought in this little silver crossed oak leaf thing that you wear on the ribbon. It became obvious that, that rewarding people for gallantry with different awards based on their status in society was a, an unacceptable way to proceed. And they established the Queen's Gallantry Medal in 1974. It has been awarded about 1,050 times, give or take, since 1974 for both military and civilian acts oh, of right. gallantry. That and, was going uh, to be my question. Yeah, uh, well, I, I I got one, and I wrote it. I wrote. I was interested in the project, um, just in in just investigating numbers, and then I thought this is fascinating. Some of these stories are extraordinary. The book's called For Exemplary Bravery. It's the same size as Blacker's Boys. It's huge. <laughs> but it only took a year to write. But if you, you can see, if you go to my website and go to my books, it, it's on there. For Exemplary Bravery, it's called. It's about the Queen's Gallantry Medal. It's absolutely extraordinary stories. Uh, and so that's the third level award after the George Cross, the George Medal, then the Queen Gall- Queen's Gallantry Medal, and then the Queen's Commendation for Brave Conduct at the bottom of that. But in terms of the First World War, I really would like to promote Blacker's letters, the letters of the commanding officer of the 9th Royal Irish Fusiliers that were written between October 1915 and March 1917. That project is, of course, coming to a close because we've got uh, three months of letters left. In fact, slightly less than three months of letters left. Uh, Blacker's on leave over December. Uh, He returns to France in January 19. 
17, and indeed is then promoted to command the brigade for nearly two months in the absence of the brigade commander. And his letters continue, and then he returns to the battalion, and then very suddenly, at the beginning of March, he is ordered to report to the war office, and off he goes. But the, the letters themselves are published online, blackersletters.co.uk. Um, they're wor- absolutely worth a read. They're absolutely fascinating, largely uncensored, and the project will continue to run through to March 17. And the letters are published daily. They're uh, published on the... It's fascinating going through our letters at the same time as going through Blacker's letters as well. You get such a fuller picture of what was happening. And the other project I'm doing, which might be of interest to some people, is called uh, is on a website called www.sacrifice.com. It's a it's an American-based project. I live in the United States now, and it looks to commemorate the men who are buried here in the United States who are First World War casualties. It's about 365 of them. Some were killed in action and their bodies repatriated, which the Americans were allowed to do. Uh, some were killed in Canada or died in Canada during training, and some died in training here. Some were British or Royal Navy sailors uh, or soldiers who were stationed here during the First World War. But all of these men are buried under a Commonwealth War Graves Commission headstone here in the United States, and many of them are unvisited, unloved. They're a long way from home, and our aim is to write a short biography of each man in order that he is commemorated through this centennial period. It's quite a task. They're spread over 42 states, and America, for those of you who haven't been here, is an absolutely immense nation. Getting to some of these guys is really difficult. Sacrifice is about First World War casualties here in the United States, and uh, I think the stories are worth a read, uh, and Blacker's Letters. They're the two things I'd really like to highlight. Fantastic. Yes. One, One more. On the on my website, I have got the updates to Blacker's Boys. They are going to be consolidated into a single update. Uh, I keep saying I'm going to do this and get it out. Uh, I keep delaying because I keep getting more information. But my aim is to get that out in the early part of next year as a consolidated update in exactly the same format as the book in order that it can be sort of printed off and it's free to download. And the final project in that regard is to update the Rule of Honor based on the Commonwealth War Graves Commission information that shows original places of burial. I think it's interesting for people to be able to stand on a roadside and say Uncle Johnny was actually buried there initially before he was moved to that large cemetery down the road. Important work. I could listen to you all day. Thank you very much for your time. And we will have all the links on our website so you can quickly look these things up. Thank you. twenty fourth of february nineteen seventeen, D Company, Royal Irish Fusiliers, Newtonards Camp, County Down. My dear mother, I received your parcel alright this morning and I thank you very much for what you sent me, for my handkerchiefs were all lost, and I was going to write home for a couple, so I got them in good time. The weather still keeps very wet. This place is simply flooded. You see it is low lying and very little rain takes effect on it. I wish it would dry up as the good weather is quite pleasant. I have no word from Jenny this couple of days, but I am writing to her tonight. There was a very fine draft left here yesterday. I think it was the best men left here. Albert Brown is away with it. There was them all together. They were all ninth men going back. A few more drafts like it will take all the ninth men away from here. Is there any word from Jack? I have lost his address, but he may soon be home. I hope he may get home before I get out again. 
Well, I think I have little more to say, so I will draw to a close, hoping to hear from you soon again, and thanking you again for the parcel. I remain your loving son, Jay Adams. Thank you for listening to John Adams' Letters from the Front podcast. To find out more about John Adams and his family, visit www.johnadams.org.uk forward slash letters. The history of the 9th Service Battalion, Royal Irish Fusiliers, during World War I is taken from the Black Oath Boys. Visit them at www.9irishfusiliers.co.uk with the number 9. Podcast will be published a hundred years after the letters were written, so will be published nearly every month. This has been a Mark's Mess production.